Welcome to Action Chapel International. We are one church in many locations worldwide. We are so excited that you took the time to join us today to feed on God's word and to enrich your spirit. We know that your life will never be the same. Now please join us for this powerful message. Hallelujah. Amen. I began a new series last week talking about understanding stewardship. Understanding stewardship. Life is about stewardship. And how you end this life has everything to do with your understanding of stewardship or ignorance of stewardship. Whether you end this life with regrets and you'll be bitter at your old age or not even live to be old has everything to do with your understanding of stewardship. We began by talking about four principles to understand stewardship. Number one principle is understanding the law or the principle of ownership. Please write the principle of ownership. In understanding the principles of ownership, everybody must understand that the creator, the author of all things has the right of ownership to whatever he created. Number two principles, you must understand the law of responsibility that you and I are responsible of everything. Responsible for everything. Number three principle, the law of accountability, that we will give an account one day. One day we all will. Number four principle, the law of rewards. There will be rewards for good and bad. Rewards for good and rewards for bad. That will come eventually. Amen. So please keep these four principles in mind. Number one principle, the principle of ownership, principle of responsibility, principle of accountability, principle of reward. Seven things you are a steward, a steward of. Number one, you are a steward of life. You are a steward of your life. You don't own the life you have. You are a steward, and I'll prove it. What makes a lawyer a good lawyer in court to win his case is not how good your case is. It's your ability to defend the facts or the evidence you put before the judge. You must be able to defend the evidence. Amen? Number two, you are a steward of money or your money. You are a steward of money. Number two, you are a steward of time. Time is a commodity you cannot buy. You can buy everything, but you can't buy money. You, you can't buy time. You can't buy time. Time, you can't buy time with money. You can't buy life. You can't buy time, no. Life. Number four principle. I hear people say, well, my body is my body. I can do whatever I want to do with my body. You are lying. You are lying. You are a liar. Your body is not yours. 
You don't own your body. You are a steward of your body. So you have to be very careful what goes into your body. You can't just eat anything, treat your body anyway, anyhow. There are so many people who don't exercise. You don't take care of your body. You eat anything. And you must understand that you are what you eat. And you eat to live or you eat to die. What you eat kills you or keeps you alive. So remember, and what you feed the most grows the most. So you must understand that principle, that your body is not yours. As time goes on, I'll prove it to you, that you will know that you don't own your body. You were redeemed by the blood of your, the Lamb, and your body is not yours. You are a steward of your body, and you can't treat your body anyway, anyhow. So keep that in mind. Number five principle, you are a steward of skill. There are people who are very skillful in life. You don't own skill. You are a steward of it. Knowledge, number six principle, knowledge. You are a steward, a steward of knowledge. The Bible said, what have you that you did not receive? And why then do you act as if you did not receive it? And the Bible said, a man can receive nothing except it is given to him from above. So you are a steward of knowledge. Number seven, you are a steward of gifts. Whatever giftings you have in life, you are a steward of it. Tell two people, you are a steward of everything and a possessor of nothing. Tell two people that. Can you tell somebody else that you, you don't have anything. I know some of you don't like that, but it's the truth. You don't have anything. Now, I know some of you don't agree with me, but if you want to know the truth of what I've told you, go to the mortuary. Go to the mortuary and you will see people of all sizes, of all status and influence and possession and wealth in life, lying down in the fridge, naked. They don't have their rich watches, their rings, anything. They are stripped of everything and everything they fight for and everything that made them whoever they thought they were they are stripped of everything. And all their possessions they went to the hospital with is sent home with their loved ones. And they put a tag and a number on their hands to identify their number. They become a number. Before you think you have anything, my assignment is to remind you today that you, you have nothing. And if, you're not, if you don't believe me, go to the labor ward and see a child born. They came naked. And naked shall everybody return. And if you don't understand these principles, you are to be pitied among all men. And whatever life you think you are living, you are a disappointment to your creator. 
Genesis 128, the Amplified Version. Let's begin our journey. As I set up my case and defend it with evidence. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, using all its vast resources in the service of God and man, and have dominion over the fish of the, of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves upon the earth. Using all its vast resources in the service of God. In the service of God and man. In the service of God and man. That's where the issue is with man. We are not using what God has given us for the service of God and humanity. It's a selfish issue. There is so much wealth in this country and in the world to make everybody a millionaire or a billionaire and there will still be more left. The problem with the nations of our world is man, selfishness of man, the selfishness. Selfishness is the womb of all evil, is the mother of all evil. Selfishness. When you are blessed, God expects you to be fruitful and to multiply. God never intended that any one of us should be blessed for our personal benefit or our personal use or the benefit or personal use of our immediate family. He blessed Abraham in Genesis 12 and this is what he said. He said, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are not blessed for our own benefits. We are blessed for the benefit and the profit of God's service and the service of humanity. It was never meant to be for you or yourself, but the benefit of others. Whether it is skill or knowledge, or spiritual giftings or anointing. It is given for the profit and the benefit of all. So nobody is entitled to anything. None of us deserve anything. For it is not him that willeth nor him that runneth, but that God that showeth mercy. Neither is the race to the swift, nor the battle to men or women of strength, nor riches to men of skill or understanding, but time and chance happens to all. Put your hands together and give God praise. In order for you to understand the law of ownership, please come with me to Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God, the creator, created the heavens and the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, before you put up your philosophy and your argument, based on whatever knowledge you are arguing or from whatever perspective you are arguing for, may I submit to you that in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, you and your philosophy did not exist. And you and your philosophy and argument was nowhere to be found. And where were you 
when God said let there be light in the beginning you did not exist and where were you and your philosophy and your argument and religion when God commanded the waters to become the sea and gave a perpetual decree that the water shouldn't come to town and it was so where were you when God made the stars the sun the moon and the dry earth you were not to be found when he created the fish of the sea ladies and gentlemen before you put up any argument and logic and philosophy may I please submit to you that in the beginning when the creator created the heavens and the earth you did not exist you were not there so hold your peace shut your mouth put your hands together Psalm 24 verse 1 The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof The world and they that dwell therein The very earth you are walking on is not yours You don't own it It's the Lord's And the fullness thereof And all them that dwell therein are his He owns it He has the right of ownership that's why in the days of Moses, when the sons of Korah rebelled against Moses, Moses said, if I be a man of God, let the earth open up his mouth and swallow you up. And the earth opened up his mouth and swallowed them up. So the earth has mouth and the earth has ears. The Bible says, hear, O earth, hear, O earth. Render this man and his descendants barren unfruitful and poor and anything you can speak to have ears to hear three speaks and threes can hear Jesus the Bible said said the Bible said and Jesus answered the fig tree if he answered the fig tree then the fig tree as a logician stands to reason ladies and gentlemen that the fig tree has mouth and the fig tree said something and it was it's not just enough he went beyond and spoke to the fig tree and said be a curse and he said with that from your roots henceforth let no man eat of thee and if the fig tree it became so the fig tree obeyed and became unfruitful it stands to reason that trees have ears to hear many years ago my dad took me to one of his properties at the airport residential area and he said to me Osavo come here you said you are suffering I said yes papa he said follow me he took me to one of his properties and we had all these coconut trees there and there were fruit on all the trees except one and he spoke to the coconut tree and said I'm talking to you and hear me if I come back next year by this time and you haven't bought fruit I will cut you down do you hear me and he walked away he didn't say anything to me when I went back to my room I said you know something this man eh, something is happening to him at the top my father is losing it a year after about the same time the Lord reminded me and I went to church when I went there were fruit on that tree and it dawned on me that those on the other side 
understand the rules of engagement and they understand the power to speak to creation Joshua spoke to the sun and his word stood and he spoke to the moon and it was so and the prophet Isaiah spoke to the sun to go back 10 degrees and he stood Ladies and gentlemen, the earth you and I walk on is the Lord's. And there are people and nations who demand that you should pay tax on the land. And they don't give the creator of the heavens and the earth anything, but they, they demand that the citizens should pay tax. And we pay tax on the land, property tax. Meanwhile, they didn't create it. And they don't honor the creator. It's a matter of time, they will all give an account. It's all in the Bible. When I get there, you'll see it. Haggai chapter 2 verse 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. You see, this is very clear. God is making a statement here and a proclamation. He said, he said before you misbehave, and before you think you are loaded or you are something because of silver and gold which I created, can I announce to you and make it very clear to you that the silver you are boasting of is mine. And the gold belongs to me, saith the Lord of hosts. He said, I am the Lord of all the hosts of heaven and the host of the earth and the host of the underworld. I am Lord of all things. And I want it to be clear to you that the silver you fight over, it's mine, and the gold is mine. And where were you when I created the silver and the gold? They are mine. Please understand that, it will make life easy for you. Paul the Apostle wrote 50% of the New Testament or the Pauline Revelation or the Epistles. He dedicated one chapter talking about the agape love of God. Not the filial, the agape. But if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, he dedicated two chapters, 39 verses, talking about money. Important as love is, he dedicated 13 verses and one chapter to talk about the love of God. And he dedicated two chapters 39 verses talking about money and the reason is because there is so much ignorance about money that preachers will not even talk about money in the church because the enemy have succeeded to manipulate you and I and to get us to believe that money is evil number one and that power is evil and sex is evil so believers don't want to go into politics they say politics is dirty and so we sit down and allow everybody to play with power and we don't want to touch it. Yet the Bible says when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, the people mourn. And yet we won't touch it. And the enemy have succeeded to hijack the use of sex, the use of power, the use of money. Money in itself is not evil. It is what you do with money. It is the use of money that makes it good or evil. 
If you go to Revelation chapter 5 and look at the 12 verse, there are seven benefits that Jesus received for you and I. So it's very wrong for anybody to think that money is evil. Sing with a loud voice. Go ahead. Sing with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to, to receive power. To receive what? Power. He had power. He's the source of all power. When he met Moses at the burning bush, Moses said, Sir, who are you? What is your name? What do I tell Pharaoh? He said, tell Pharaoh, I am. I am. Has sent you. Tell Pharaoh, if he thinks he's king, I am the king of kings. And if he thinks he's Lord, I am the Lord of lords. If he thinks he's mighty, I am the almighty. And if he thinks he's great, I am the greatest of all. Whoever he is and thinks he is, I am. I'm the source of all things. And I am whatever Moses you need me to be, I am. Tell him, my name is, I am. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus did not receive power for himself because he's the source of all power. He received power for you and I. And power in itself is not evil. It's what you do with it. And the fact that people misuse power or abuse power doesn't make power evil. Go ahead. And riches. Riches. And we have problem. Riches is not evil. It's what you do with riches. The fact that people allow riches to control them and abuse it and use it to the hurt and disadvantage of others doesn't make riches evil. Wisdom and right. wisdom and strength. Yeah. Solomon used wisdom to sleep with 1,000 women. That doesn't make wisdom evil. He had so much wisdom that he could fool with 1,000 women. I don't know how he did that. But that is one of the benefits of wisdom and misusing wisdom. And strength. Samson abused strength. Samson was so strong that he used his strength for evil. He used strength for evil. <laughs> and honor. People can, mislead, can, can abuse honor, glory, and blessing. And it doesn't make any of these seven benefits that Jesus received for you and are evil. It's what you do with it. So money in itself is not evil. Money is a tool, it's a medium of exchange. Money is a vehicle and a weapon given to you and I to perform a duty for which we were born. And money in itself is not evil, neither is money the purpose or the reason for which you were born. It's a weapon, a tool, and an instrument. And I'll show you what you must do with money and why money is given to you. See, I hear you. Come with me to the book of Luke chapter 16 and verse 23. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Again. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Now, there is this argument and belief that it's difficult for the rich man to enter heaven 
you are reading that scripture out of context. The rich can go to heaven, will go to heaven, have access to heaven. The same as the poor. The rich and the poor will go to hell because of what they did with the Son of God. The poor man didn't go to hell because he was poor. He didn't go to the bosom of Abraham because he was poor. He went to the bosom of Abraham because of his relationship with God. He was serious about his spirituality and his relationship with God. He did not allow his poverty to interfere or undermine his spirituality or his relationship with God. The rich man went to hell not because of his riches. He went to hell because he made his riches his God. And he had no regard and respect for men because money and riches had become his God. And hear me, Abraham was rich than the rich man. And yet Abraham was in paradise and the poor man went to the bosom of Abraham. So the rich man didn't end up in hell because of his riches. He ended up in hell because when he was alive, he allowed money and riches to determine the way he responded to God and the way he responded to people. I said something in the first service. If you relate to me based on your wealth, your money, your skill, your giftings, your access, your influence, I don't want to relate to you. Yeah, because you can lose everything you have and be nothing. So how do I relate to you when you've lost everything? Do I still relate to you the way I used to? Or I relate to you differently because you don't have anything? You have to relate to people not based on what they possess or have, but you relate to people based on who they are, their value system. And that is one thing I like about the saying of Martin Luther King Jr. And it's one of the quotes I like about him when I think deeply about it, when he said, I have a dream, I have a dream that one day my little children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. That is how and the basis for which you relate to people, that you relate to people based on the content of their character not possession, not influence, not access, not what they have or possess. You know, the Rosa asked me, who are your friends? And I said, I don't have a friend. I don't have a friend. I'm surrounded by a lot of people, but I don't have a friend. You know why? Because a friend is one. You can stand vulnerable before and naked and be honest with and not be afraid that they will use it and hold it against you. And I don't find too many of that kind. And not too many of that kind. You can't be my friend unless you've been tested and tried. If you are not tested and tried, you can't be my friend. And if you are not broken, you can't be my friend. Too many people derive their confidence from what they have. But if you are confident when you don't have anything, if you are confident 
when you are broke and have nothing. Like Winston Churchill said, that a sign of true success is one that moves from failure to failure and still maintains confidence. Yeah. From one failure to another failure, from defeat to defeat, and still maintains confidence. It's a true sign and statement of confidence and success. Winston Churchill, if you are not tested and tried and broken, you can't be my friend. I was telling one of my daughters the other day and I said, whenever somebody opens up to you and tells you their business, they are setting you up. Yeah. Because after they've told you everything about their life, they expect you also to open up to them. So be careful. Be careful. It's a setup. Yeah. They tell you all their secret. After telling you their secret, they want to know yours. So after you've told me your secret, thank you for telling me everything. So how about you? I have nothing to say. Abraham went to paradise with all his wealth and riches. Genesis 13 and 2. Genesis 13 and 2. And Abraham was very rich in cattle. He was what? Very rich. Oh, somebody talk to me. Abraham was very rich. He wasn't just rich, but what? Very rich. Uh-huh. In cattle, in silver, and in gold. You see, God said, the cattle on the thousand hills are mine. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. And Abraham was very rich in cattles, in silver and in gold. And yet he went to heaven. Went to heaven. So riches don't stop you from going to heaven and it doesn't stop you from serving God well. As a matter of fact, the way you handle riches have everything to do with your spirituality. I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. That one of the reasons why a lot of people who come into wealth find it difficult to be spiritual is because they allow wealth and possession and money to determine their relationship with God and their relationship with others. Yeah. I was talking to one of my spiritual sons some years ago. He had come into a lot of money and he was in one of my branches. And I told him, you, you shouldn't be in that branch. And he said, why? I said, come to the head office because you need somebody to command you. He said, what are you trying to tell me? And I said, the pastor in that church is too intimidated by you. He can't command you. Because you have too much money. I said, you need somebody like me to command you. Yeah. So I told him, I said, I said, if you want to be spiritual and go to heaven, come to the head office. Where I can look you in the face and command you because your money and your access and your influence don't impress me and it doesn't move me. He didn't like it, but I told him. Yeah. The Bible said, let him that boast in this life, boast of this one thing, that he knows I, the Lord, who execute judgment, Righteousness and justice in the earth. Genesis 14, 14. We are still on Abraham and his riches. And when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. You see, how many bodyguards do you have? Armed men, 318 bodyguards. 
born in his house. Do you know the kind of house we are talking about? This was more than a house and a palace. 318 bodyguards and men born in his house. Now, let's, let's look at something as a logician. I'm trying to look at it from my own perspective. Born in his house. So the Bible didn't count their father and their mother. So it means that their father and their mother were in his, own, in his house. So count father and mother that gave birth to the armed men. Then count their wives and their children. So you're talking about almost a thousand men and women living in his house. So it wasn't just an ordinary house. And it wasn't just a palace. It was a city within a city. Are you hearing me, somebody? I'm praying that a day will come when where you dwell will become a city within the city. Come on, put your hands together. Shout yes. And those of you who get offended when you see a man of God or a child of God blessed, you haven't seen anything yet. Yeah, you haven't seen anything yet. And if this offends you, then you will die. If, if the little one you see now is offending you, then wait. The real thing will hit you and you will go into coma. Come on somebody, put your hands together and give God a shout and a praise. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 21. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, Go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. You see, a lot of people don't understand this scripture here. Yeah. The thing that Jesus simply was talking about, selling all you have and give to the poor. So many people on their birthday, they, they, they go to, you know, Orphan, orphanages and give to orphans and to the poor and all that is good. There's no problem. Keep doing it. Thinking that by doing that, you get all kinds of rewards in heaven. Fine. I don't. If you are not born again and you do that, it doesn't give you eternal life. Okay. So keep that in mind. But uh, but God expects you to have works after you are saved. So it's not enough to be born again. After having eternal life, He wants you to have works, good works. But the reason why He said to him. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, come follow me. Then you will have treasures in heaven and eternal life and be perfected before God. Is this his wealth was his God? So Jesus said, Renounce your God, give up your God, come follow the true God. And if you do right with your earthly possession, it will give you treasures in heaven and eternal life. Because there's no way you can follow the true God and not be saved and not have eternal life. So he was talking to him in parables that you, your riches have become your God. Give them up. Give up your God. Renounce your God and come follow me. It stands to reason logically, ladies and gentlemen, that you can also use earthly possession after you are saved to acquire eternal mileage and treasures in heaven. That what you do with your earthly goods after you are born again can also determine your placement and your mileage in eternity. 
It's a very, very powerful scripture, this one. I've really looked at it. So be careful what you use, what you have. Because what you do with it means a lot to eternity. Amen? Remember, you can use your earthly possessions here to secure treasures in heaven. Eternal mileage is very powerful. Luke 16, 10 and 11. Luke the 16th chapter, verse 10 and 11. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your, to your trust the true riches? You see, you see, there are different kinds of riches. Very, very powerful. There's a difference between blessing, prosperity, and riches, and a difference between just earthly riches and true riches. Yeah. Yeah. Then we have riches that ends when men die. And then we have transgenerational riches or generational blessings. And the reason why we don't experience much generational blessings and riches on the continent of Africa is because most times the fathers that had possession of wealth and riches, they lack understanding of the purpose of wealth and riches. So they misuse it. And when they die, it ends there. You don't see the next generation. Their legacy don't live on. It dies with them. It goes to their graves with them because they lack understanding. Now here he said, he that is faithful in the little shall be faithful in much. So faithfulness is required of stewards for it is written that it is required of stewards to be faithful. Dependability, trustworthiness. Yeah. That God requires of you and to be faithful with what he has given to us. To God, money and earthly possession is defined as little things. And it is your faithfulness in how you manage little things, earthly possessions and goods. That is what would determine the extent to which God can entrust into your hands true riches. True riches. And if you want to know how God defines money or gold, look at the scriptures critically. The Bible talks about the streets of heaven made out of gold. Yeah. You walk on a street. You walk on a street. That is how God defines gold. It's something you trample on the feet and we give it too much attention. And how dare you try to relate to the maker based on gold that he created, that he owns. And why do you treat others in a particular way because of gold and silver? That is not your, you are a trustee and a caretaker. You don't belong, it doesn't belong to you. You don't own it, you have nothing. It's just a matter of time you find out one of these days that you don't have anything. And it was given to you while you were alive to use it for a cause and a purpose of which you didn't. And we all stand 
on that day before the judgment says, now it doesn't matter how long you live, you can live a thousand years. That cannot be compared to how many years you will live in eternity. Amen? And if you haven't been faithful in managing and using money, who would trust you with the true riches? True riches have to do with spiritual things that God entrusts into the hands of people who have been found faithful using material things to, to, to acquire and to secure spiritual mileage. Faithfulness. And sometimes when I see people struggle in titan, whether personal titan or whether corporate titan, it tells me a lot of who they are. Yeah, and it shows me where your heart is because Jesus said where your treasure is there will your heart also be he didn't say where your heart is he said where your treasure is where your treasure is so if your treasure is your God your treasure controls you your, the decisions and the choices you make in life will be determined by your treasure not by revelation not by the word of God you know, years ago when I lived in America, we spent a lot of money in putting guest speakers in hotels. And it was taking a lot of the tithes and the offerings. So there were this apartment not too far away from where the church was in Laurel. And I went looking at them. I wanted to lease one, furnish it nicely for our guests. And somebody told me that one of the apartments there belonged to a sister in the church. So I spoke to her about if she would consider allowing the church to have one of her apartments. She said she would think and pray about it. She never said anything. I never also brought it up again. I didn't say a word. I just left it alone and we kept putting our guests in hotels and paying. After a while, she ran into some serious crisis. There was a problem with the real estate market and she ran into some serious crisis she came to me for prayer and to also talk to somebody to intervene in the matter i didn't pray for her and i did not intervene i didn't do it and i told her i need to think about it yeah if you didn't value god and my prayers when god's work have need of you and you thought that your wealth and your possession was so valuable than the work of God that you didn't even have the courtesy to come back to me that I've thought about it. I can't do it. You ignored me. And you allowed me to give the God's money to heathens. Then now that you are, in you are in crisis, you come to me to deploy the services of God, my prayers. And for me to intervene to talk to somebody in authority, to use the favor God has given to me for your benefit, I'm not going to do it. Because it's very clear to me that you, you don't have a heart for God and you don't care. I was watching a movie with Rosa yesterday and it broke my heart. If you see the swine, the fields, the poverty, and you see kids in the thousands sleeping on the street, have no food and water to drink, and yet people are wealthy in that country, her private jet lives in palaces and you see the poverty around them I was sitting there and I said where is the love of God in these people where is love for country for the Bible said who we see 
that sees his brother or his sister in need and shuts up the bowels of his compassion, where dwelleth the love of God in you? It's very sad. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon, in another translation, is money. And it's very clear here there are two forces that controls the world and humanity. God and money. These are the two forces. You are either a servant of God or money. You are either serving God or you are serving money. The choices and decisions you make in this life and how you relate to God and to people has everything to do with your relationship with God or your relationship with money. It's simple as that. It is what it is. Whether you agree or not, it is the truth. That there are two forces that controls this world. Tomorrow morning, you will see the traffic in town. Everybody is out. And they don't even know why they are going out. And they don't even know why they are working. They are working for two things. Either for the purposes of God or for money. Because what you use money for would, would, has everything to tell with the reason for your being and why you are living. If you're a doctor, if you're a doctor, is your knowledge of medicine benefiting God, his work? I'm not just talking about humanity and people, because I'm helping people. Yeah, I know you're helping people. But how is that advancing the cause of the service of God? If you're a lawyer, how is that advancing God's service or God's work? If you're a businessman, a business, whatever you do in this life, it must advance God's purpose. If it's not advancing the purposes of God, who is the creator, then you are abusing the creation of the creator. And one day you will answer for what you did with it. Come with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 30. You know, when it comes to tithing, Things like tithing, offering, first food, they are a statement of honor. That's what it is. When you tithe, you are making a statement. Yeah, that's what you are doing. Because tithe comes under the law of first things and under the law or principle of honor. It's like honor your father and your mother. The Bible didn't say you should honor your father and your mother when they are believers and when they do the right thing. No. Irrespective of who they are, it is required of you to honor your father and your mother. And there is a blessing that goes with honoring your father and your mother. It shall be well with you. And you will live long. Listen, people who dishonor their father and their mother, spiritual parents or natural parents, they don't live long. And they don't make it in life, I'm telling you. They struggle in life. And let me tell you something. I was talking to somebody the other day and said, you papa, you let people take advantage of you, people exploit you. And I said, that is their loss, not me. If you use your knowledge, if you use your gift, and whatever you have to disadvantage me, to take advantage of me or to exploit me, is your loss, not mine. You pay for it. When Jacob played his father, Jacob played his father once, and his father-in-law, played him 11 times are you hearing me 
his father-in-law changed his wages ten times. Then he worked for the woman of his love seven years. And when he came to time of marrying the woman he loved, his father-in-law played him. Yeah, he played him. He gave him Leah. And he married in the night, which means that at the time he married, he didn't have light. He didn't have sight. He didn't have vision. He didn't have illumination. And then he slept with her all night and didn't know what he was sleeping with. Is it possible you can sleep with something you don't know? Yes. A preacher came to me some years ago and said, Papa, every time I dream, I see myself sleeping with a snake. And I said, are you married? He said, yes. He said, what is the interpretation of my dream? I said, I don't know. The Lord hasn't shown me anything and he hasn't told me anything. Yeah. As for this dream, the interpretation of the dream, you must live with it and die. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you what it means. Me, to tell you the meaning of your dream, when it's so clear that you dream, and every time you dream, you see yourself sleeping with a snake, and you are married, and you want me to interpret that dream. You think I'm a fool? So you go home and tell your wife, Papa said you are a snake. I don't want trouble. I've had too much troubles. I have too much battles to fight myself. I don't want to fight your battle. You interpret it yourself. Either you kill that snake, or you run from the snake, or you live with the snake, and die with the snake. That one is your responsibility. It's not mine. Everyone must work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Are you clapping? If you are clapping, you better clap. So when it comes to tithing and giving, whether it's corporate tithe or personal tithe, it's, an, it's a matter of honor. Somebody say honor. Yeah, First Samuel chapter 1, First Samuel chapter 2 verse 30. That when, when I tithe, it's a statement of honor. And two, a statement of acknowledging the fact that God is my source. And that my intellect and my skill, my principle and my IQ doesn't make me who I am. That God is my source. So when I tithe, I'm honoring my source. I'm making a statement that God, you are my source. And let it be known in all three worlds that God is my source. It's that God, I'm honoring you. I'm making that statement. And hear me, if the 90 is not enough, what will the 10 do for you? It's only greed that makes you keep the 90 and also take the 10, which is a statement of honor. Now look at what God said. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, be it far from me. For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. You see, this is a very scaring statement here. God said, I said, means, means I made a promise that you and your father's house will walk before me forever. But I changed my mind. God said, God said, God said, I have the right to change my mind. And nobody can charge me. 
that I made a promise and I went back at it. I am God. I do what I please. And he said, be it far from me to honor what I have said about you and your house. Because you decided to dishonor me. Studied the whole thing. You see why God said that. He said, I honor those who honor me. So whenever you tithe, whether personal or corporate, it's a statement of honor and a proclamation you are making that God is my source. And when you commit him, he's committed to you. And it doesn't matter what happens and who goes and who comes. God will fight your battle to make sure that people know that he's your source. And he can even use the enemy to provide for you. Yeah. He can use an enemy to provide for you. Yeah. It doesn't matter what party is in office. If God is your source, he will blow your mind. Yeah. But, but we don't make him our source. We try too much. We use our own skill. Yeah. I was telling a gentleman the other day, I was out of the country and there was a situation going and I said, you know something, you, eh? you've come to the season in your life because of your commitment to God and his work that God will just throw things at you. I said, you, you won't sweat anymore. Henceforth, you will make it with ease. He called me the other day. He said, Papa, Papa, you won't believe it. I said, what is it? He started telling me, Papa, can you believe this? Can you believe that? Can you believe that? And I said, yeah, I'm a believer. May you break through with ease. May you see sweet victories henceforth. I said sweet victories. May you experience permanent breakthroughs in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Sweet victories and permanent victories is what God delivers to you and no man can contest contend over raise an objection or take from you may that be your portion in the name of Jesus God said I honor those who honor me and for those who dishonor me or despise them I will disinherit them that is what it means I will disinherit them and I've seen a lot of people disinherited by God and the Bible said God resisted the proud and exalts the humble when you honor him, it's a sign of humility. And when you dishonor him, it's a sign of pride. Amen. Matthew chapter 25 verse 15. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. According to everyone, what? Ability. What? Ability. So it wasn't given to them based on their age. See, that's one of the problems in the church. There are people in the church who don't want new people to have any position. If you're a new person, they block you. Yeah. People go through new convert class six weeks, eight weeks. When they finish and they come to join a group in the church, then the group also have their own rules and their law to subject them to go through another program. Who do you think you are? Who authorized you and gave you the audacity to establish any rule or law in any, in any part of the church without the approval or authorization of leadership and frustrate people? 
because and some of you when you came you were not subjected to any rules or law why do you then frustrate others that's the problem in the church years ago I was given a position very very powerful position and I was made the head and when we went to meetings few times and I weighed the conversations and the way things were going, I knew that I shouldn't be the head and the chairman. So I relinquished my position. And the person who appointed was very disappointed. He said, you're a very honorable person. And ba 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 And I said, listen, the position you are giving to me, you have given to, to me to run, is not run by honor or by influence. It is run by capacity. And I, I don't have the capacity for this office. And if you keep me there, I will mess things up. And he said, so what are you suggesting? I said, Mr. So-so and so has capacity to manage this thing. Let's give him a try and see. The guy took over. In the matters of three months, he turned everything around. And you know what the problem in the church is? There are people in the church, and you know that the position you are occupying, you don't have the capacity for that office. There are others who have what it takes. You won't step aside and recommend them. You will still be there, and you want to be a Methuselah, and things are destroyed, and you won't do anything. Who appointed you to be a Methuselah? Turn to somebody and say, who made you Methuselah? Your name is not Methuselah. Come on, somebody, put your hands together. Yeah, people have occupied office for ages. And they won't move. And they won't allow new people to come in and help change things. And you are standing there and the work is suffering. And to everyone was given according to their several abilities. And hear me. The talents here is not referring to skill. The talents is referring to money. In those days, the name of their money was called talents. Like Ghana cities, the dollar, the pound, the euros. So talents there is referring to money, not abilities. Because they were given money according to what their ability can manage. Tell somebody, take your eyes off my business. Why are we jealous and envious of people? Yeah, you know why? Because we are always looking at what others have and we don't look at what we have. And what you have is what you can handle. If you improve on your ability or capacity, you can have more. Because the one that had five improved on his ability and he had ten. The one that had two improved and had double. The one that had one buried it. Somebody say capacity. There is no need for you to be jealous of anybody. I learned that long time ago. I don't waste my time being jealous and envious. I don't care what you have. I am not impressed with what you have at all. I am very confident in who I am and what I have. Very, very confident. Are you hearing me? Yeah. When I went to Bishop T.D. Jakes, the dedication of the Potter's house, every preacher who was anything in this world was there. When you play the tape, you see, they were all on the platform. And everybody came to deliver. When it was my turn, I said, I said, Heavenly Father, the hour has come. 
everybody who was everybody was on that podium. I can give you names. And they all delivered. And when it came to my turn, I said, Father, this is the day for which I was born. Glorify your servant today with the glory I had with you in the beginning before I was born. And when I stood there, I touched my belly and I said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Flow! When I finished this prayer, for over 45 minutes, they couldn't stop the service. The service broke loose. Nobody could touch it. It went out of control. You have something. Use what you have. Take your eyes off what I have. And use what you have. Tell two people, you have something. You have something. Yeah. Use what you have. Stop being jealous and envious about other people. Everybody has something. Everybody is giving something. Use what you have. Put your hands together. Somebody scream. Sit down for two minutes. I'll finish. You have something. Come with me to Luke chapter 12, 18 and 21. Tell somebody you have something. Oh, yeah, yeah, you have something. Tell somebody, I have something, I have something. Tell two people, you are loaded, you are loaded. Yeah. And tell somebody, I am loaded, I am loaded. Everybody is loaded. Yeah. And hear me. There come a season in all of our lives that we have to move from one season to another. That doesn't mean we are finished. Are you hearing me? Yeah. You know me? Right now, truly speaking, I want, I wish somebody else among my bishop will raise the standard where I can hand over the mantle of an archbishop to and resign as an archbishop and do other things in the ministry I want to do. But that is not something I just put on you. You must have capacity for that. Because you see, the problem in the church and the problem in this life is this. That a lot of people handle things they haven't developed capacity for. And that is what causes people to be frustrated. Yeah. If you know the things I handle, I wear many hats because I've developed long-suffering and endurance. And I've developed capacity to manage a lot of things and to master things. We call it mastering. And I handle a lot of things with ease. With ease. That if it's given to others, it will kill them. I'm telling you. Some of the things I handle, if you are not ready and I handle it, it will kill you. Because the pressure of some of the things, the stress, the complexity and the complication and the pressures that go with the office and standing, it can kill you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Sometimes I go to the gym to exercise and I have to go past my feelings. I have to go past the way I feel. I have to go past my body and push. Other than that, I won't exercise. 
because you hear some things and it will so trouble you that you just want to stay in bed and you don't want to exercise and I, I have to command my body I command my body I command my emotion and I said you will go to the gym you will exercise and you will sweat you know, sometimes when I see young preachers crying and talking about their reputation is under attack, I look at them and I laugh. I say, you, reputation. Do you know what reputation is? You're under attack. What kind of attack? What have you been through? What have you been through? Years ago, Bishop Dark came to see me years ago, and he was going through some attack. And I said, you are in a good place. And he said, Papa, and I said, oh, you are in a good place. Satan has now recognized you. <laughs> yeah. If you are not known in hell, it doesn't matter how successful you are. If Satan doesn't take notice of you, you are a failure. Yeah. If Satan, if Satan gets worried about you, nervous about you, it means you are doing something right. Yeah. So when I hear young preachers, and you don't know what I'm going through. Papa, it's too much. What have you been through? Go, go, to, go to Romans chapter 8 from verse 35. You've been through something. What have you been through? What have you endured? What have you suffered? Look Who at shall this. separate us from the love of Christ? Uh -huh. Shall tribulation? Do you know what tribulation means? Check it out and see. Multitude of problems and complications. Storms and trials of life. Tribulation, <laughs> troubles, satanic harassment, emotional torture, mental bombardment, physical tortures and pains and afflictions. Get up in the morning and your ribs and your back and everything is pinching you. <laughs> Paul said, trouble on every side. Cast down but not destroyed. Perplexed but not in despair. Talk about trouble. What trouble have you faced before? Baby. Or distress. Distress. Stress. Distress. Go ahead. Or persecution. Persecution. Misrepresentation. Misrepresentation. False accusation. Being misunderstood. Ostracized by society. Rejected. Despised. Put down. Go ahead. Of farming. Farming. You know what farming is? In want of all things. In want of all things. Lacking. Broke. Financial insufficiency. Financial embarrassment and indebtedness. You owe Gary woman. Your Gary. Red, red. Before you are paid, the money is gone. Farming. Or you, nakedness. Nakedness. You know what nakedness means? Stigmatization. Scandalization. Reproach. Public ridicule. Embarrassment. Being looked down upon. Being despised. Being dishonored and disadvantaged in life. Go ahead. Or peril. Peril. Eminent dangers. Impending danger. Go ahead. Or sword. Sword. Fights, pain, battles, being battled on all sides, pain, a wounded spirit who can bear, being wounded. God
God said the sword shall not depart from your house. Pain. Experiencing pain at all times. Go ahead. 36, 37. Look at and I will there. say to my Look at the people there too. Yeah. Bishop is also reading it. This is, uh, I didn't even look at it. As it is written. As it is for written, thy for thy sake we are killed all the day long. Kill all we, day long. Yeah. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Sometimes you have a defense and yet you can't talk. Yeah. You can be so implicated like what was happening what happened to, to Joseph that even when you explain yourself, nobody will believe you. Yeah. yeah. The reason why some of you think you can put up an argument and you can fight over everything, there come a time that there is nothing you can say to defend yourself. You have to hold your peace and trust in the living God. You haven't had a problem before. But if you ask Joseph, he will tell you. He was so implicated that there was nothing he could say to defend himself. Because there was evidence against him. Next, tell somebody, next time when you are running, take your dress with you. No, I said you should tell somebody. Why are you not telling them? Next time when you are running, take your dress with you. How do you defend yourself? When there is evidence against you, they show the knife and the blood of the person dead in your hands. And you said you are innocent. How do you defend that? That you just stumble on the thing. When you came, there was knife by him. He had stabbed himself. And you were trying to help. Why were you trying to help? Why did you take the knife? We see knife and blood in your hands. And the person is there lying in cold blood. You've been implicated. How do you explain to yourself? You need divine intervention. Because some of you, eh, the reason why you pray smooching prayers and those nice gentle prayers is because you haven't seen something before. But if you've been through things, if you've been through things, like David, when you are praying, you will scream. You know what David said? Oh my God! And he said, for how long will thou keep silent? And then Isaiah said the other day, he said, oh, that thou mightest rent the heavens and come down, that the earth may shake before you and that thou mayest do it again. You haven't been through anything. That's why you pray those nice prayers. But if you've been through something and you've been misunderstood and misrepresented, you pray. And you won't pray nice prayers. I'm telling you. I've been in a situation where I was misrepresented heavily. Yeah. One time, a new government came in. Some people went and told President Rawlings that now Archbishop, your friend, he belongs to this party. Then some people went to President Kufo when he came and said, Hey, Mr. President, be careful of this man. Oh, he's, he belongs to that party. He's a friend of President Rawlings. Misrepresentation, yeah, implicating me, undermining and sabotaging me. They think the guy is too, he's too, he's too, he's too powerful. We have to discredit him, we have to dishonor him. You want to discredit me, you'll be discredited. Yeah, it's a matter of time. You keep going on. You see, there are people in this life, eh? they are good in speaking evil of everybody but themselves. 
And I was telling somebody the other day, I said, anyone around you who speaks evil of everybody, be careful of him. And there are people like that. They never speak good of anybody. Everybody, even Bishop Nyaku, the Lamb of God, they will have something bad to say about him. No, seriously. If you have a problem with Bishop Nyaku, then you really have a problem. I'm telling you. And there are people. They speak evil of everybody, including Jesus and God. They are the only righteous people in this world. Everybody is evil but them. Such people, be weary of them. And watch them. Yeah. And I have people like that. Papa, be careful of this person. Papa, who is Papa? Do you know that person? Papa, be careful. Oh. Papa, Papa, be careful. Thank you. But I'm afraid of you. So we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. No. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. How can you be more than a conqueror when you are going through situations and you can't defend yourself? How? What makes you more than a conqueror when you are going through difficulties, misrepresentation? There are people sitting here paying taxes, doing the right thing, and yet misrepresented and implicated. And I tell them, listen, don't worry about it. And sometimes it's like your whole life is finished. Who told you? Who told you your whole life is finished? You are not finished. Yeah. Tell two people, you are not finished. You, you are not finished. Yeah, you are not finished. Tell somebody, you will bounce back again. You, you will bounce back again. It's just a matter of time. How do I know? It is written. It is written. Thou prepares me a table. In the presence of my enemies are you hearing me somebody listen 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 you need enemies oh you see you need enemies for able to be prepared because without enemies he didn't say I'll prepare a table before your friends he said enemies so you need enemies amen I was telling them in the first service I said I said, for me, eh, before I die, I will bury all my enemies. By the time I'm ready to go, all my enemies are dead. Are you hearing me? You can look at me any way you want. I'm confessing what I believe. Second Corinthians 4.13. According as it is written, they believe, they spoke, therefore we also believe, and therefore we are spoken. Read it, that is it. Having the same spirit of faith. According as it is written. Uh-huh. They believe, therefore they spoke. Uh -huh. We also believe and therefore speak. So I'm, I'm saying what I believe. I said by the time me, I'm ready to check out, all my enemies would have been dead. You can look at me and say nothing. And if you're among my enemies, you will go. Yeah. I'm just telling you. I believe what I'm saying. Get up. Go to three or two people. The Bible says, at the mouth of two and three witnesses, every word will be excited. Tell them that I will not die prematurely, but I will live to declare the works of God. Go to two or three people. Yeah. Tell two or three people that I, I won't die prematurely. Bishop Obodai, you are my witness. I will not die prematurely, but I will live and declare the works of God. Bishop Nyaku, entry. I will not die prematurely, but I will live and declare the works of God. You sit down there and don't go and get up and talk. I'm trying to save you. you. Bishop Kwesi Educhum, I will not die prematurely, but live and declare the works of God. I will, 
I won't die prematurely, but I will live and declare the works of God. Get up and go to two or three people and establish that word. Yeah. I'm helping somebody to escape something. Yeah. I'm helping you to escape something. Yeah. You are escaping something. Somebody say, I command divine escape. Escape, 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 escape. Escape! Scream escape! Sit down. Let me finish. Sit down. It's lunch time. Let me finish so you can go home. Amen. Luke chapter 12, from verse 18 to 21. Let me finish so you can go home. And he said, uh -huh. This will I do. Uh -huh. I will pull down my bands and build greater. Uh -huh. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Uh -huh. And I will say to my soul, Soul, Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Uh -huh. Take thine ease, eat, uh -huh. drink, and be merry. Uh -huh. But God said unto him, Thou fool, <laughs> this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast prepared or provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You see? He that lays treasures for themselves self and are not rich towards God the opposite of that is use treasures use treasures to be rich towards God yeah use treasures money to do things for God's work and God's house yeah it gives you riches towards God yeah we we're doing a convention some time ago and a lady, she was seen a member of this church. We needed to carpet this place. When she heard it, she sent a word to me. She said, Papa, I will pay for the carpet of the whole church. Yeah. She's not a member of this church. And, and some of you were walking in the carpet, slain under the carpet, falling under the carpet. Anytime you were slain, you fall and the anointing moved. She was getting the blessings. Yeah. Reach towards God. What makes you reach towards God? What you use the wealth and the money and the treasures to do for God and God's house. This guy thought he had made it. He was talking about how loaded he was. Do you know who I am? Do you know how much I have? Eh. Yeah. And God said, you are a fool. Your soul and the life you think you have will be required of you today. You will lose your life. I've seen people dying on the bed of their affliction and they will say, Papa, pray for me. And they will say things like this, Papa, you don't know the plans I had for the church. But time didn't help me. And I look at them and I want to say in my head, go quick, go quick, go quick. Even in your dying bed, you want to fool God. When, when you were alive and you were loaded, you didn't do anything for God. And in your dying bed, instead of you to humble yourself and confess and say, Papa, I miss it, pray for mercy. You are telling me. You are romancing me and trying to seduce me, a man of God. Somebody say mercy. Somebody scream mercy. Yeah. 
something for themselves holding on and holding back when you can use it for eternal mileage you are not taking anything no. you are leaving everything uh, read it again you know this scripture is very revealing read it again uh -huh. but God said unto him mm -hmm. thou fool this night thy soul shall be required of thee uh -huh. then whose shall those things be he which said, thou hast provided uh -huh. so said, is he said whose 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 you know when people go to bury their loved ones they can't wait for you to be buried old. you don't know things I know I know too many things somebody dies and the same day they die people take their car keys where is the car keys bring they seize all the car keys they lock the master bedroom take all their jewelries and everything place injunctions on everything as if you also won't go eh? as if you live forever you also go and all those cankies and the jewelries you leave them you are not taking anything with you do you know even when you are going for surgery common operation they strip you yeah you've been for surgery before they take everything from you your underwear everything they strip you naked your wristwatch, everything, rollers for everything, your ring, they take everything from you, including that borrowed hair, everything they take away. Yeah. I've been to I've been to hospital to pray for people going through surgery. I stand there and they strip them of anything. Then they put everything in a bag. And they say sign for it and they sign and when they are wielding them to the operation papa pray for me i say i'm praying <laughs> and i'll say to them say i'll come back i'll come back i'll come back say i'm coming back come on say i'm coming back yeah say i'm not finished yet i'm not finished yet yeah i'm coming back So what are you fighting over? Who are you leaving them for? Who? To whom are you leaving all these things for? When you can use it to be rich towards God, give you mileage in God. Two things for the kingdom. When you stand before Jesus, you can be proud of. You are writing your will and you don't leave anything for the church. And when you, your daddy bring the casket into the church, then I hear all these testimonials. Sometimes I just look at them and I say, please, please give me a break. Who are you fooling? Say, I'm going to see Jesus. You're going to see who? What have you done for his work? He's waiting for you. The first thing he asks you, so all I gave to you, what did you do for my work on earth? And you realize that you labored and worked in vain. That's why the churches in Europe are all dried up. Parents leave, made wealth, give it to kids who have no value and respect for God and the things of God, have no love for God. And they are dead and gone, and their children won't serve God, and the buildings have been turned into apartments and everything, because when their parents die, they didn't leave anything for the continuity of the work of God. Let me give you one more scripture and I'll let you go home. The way you are quiet is fine. Yeah. Thank God you don't pay my bills. Other than that today, 
my landlord will eject me from his house. Amen. Daniel chapter 4, verse 30 and 31. The king spake and said, uh -huh. Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power uh -huh. and for the honor of my majesty? Uh -huh. While the word was in the king's mouth, the fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. Remember, this guy wasn't born again. God controls even kings, presidents, leaders. People who are not even born again, he will pass judgment. When you use what he has created for your arrogance and pride and your honor, and you refuse to honor God, he will show you where power lies. And when the book Abnezer was praising himself and talking about how powerful and his accomplishments and everything, wise the words were in his mouth. The voice of the Lord echoed from eternity into time and said, you, King Nebuchadnezzar, you've been found weighing in the balances. You are finished. Your kingdom is departed from you. You will go to the forest and for seven years, you will eat grass like the beast of the earth until you acknowledge that the heavens do rule in the affairs of men. There was another king. There was another king in the book of Acts, Herod. The Bible said he spoke and did not glorify God. And the people said, when they heard him, the people said, this man is a God. And why she was speaking? Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Now about that time, okay, that's about Herod and the things he did. But go to verse 20, 22. And the people gave a shout saying, it is a voice of a God and not a man. Uh -huh. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him. Immediately? The angel of the Lord smote Imme him. The immediately? The angel of the Lord smote him. Uh -huh. Because he gave not God the glory. Uh -huh. And he was eating of worms and gave up the ghost. He gave not God the glory. Hear me. Glorify God. Live a life that glorifies God. Use your influence and your access and your possession to glorify God. And be rich towards God, not towards man. Please stand on your feet. Thank you for allowing me to talk to you. Put your hands together if you receive it and you are blessed. Amen. Lord, lift me up and make me stand by faith on a pre-stable
by that message and we look forward to sharing God's word with you once again. For more information on this and many other Action Chapel International products and messages, you may visit our Dominion Bookshop located on the premises of Action Chapel, Spintex Road. Or you may call our offices on 030-701-1851 or you may also visit us online at www.actionchapel.net. Once again, thank you for joining us today and may your life continue to be changed in God's presence.